we have an opportunity to celebrate the moms and all the women of Faith Community Church today. You know, I think what's really exciting about coming together, first of all, you may be used to not necessarily having everybody so dressed up. I'm wearing this in honor of my mom, uh, wanted to be dressed up. I think it's an important thing that we just have this opportunity to say, you know, Mother's Day is not a common day. It's a special day. Can we agree? And we really have, we really come in with all sorts of perspectives on Mother's Day. But I think one thing that is true, no matter where we are today, is that today is a wonderful day to honor the women in our lives. Is that agreed upon? And I think all of us, no matter the whether we have a mom who's with us, not with us, alive, present, not present, the reality is, is all of us have ladies who have been really impactful in our lives. Can we agree? Every single one of us here today has a woman who has been incredibly impactful and important. And so today is a day we really can honor the ladies, not only the moms, but all the ladies of this church in our family, in our community. And so what I'd like to do is I want to look at this big idea today. Sometimes we start with a problem. There's no problem, just a big idea. Am I willing to learn from the lessons of the women of the Bible? So we're going to have an opportunity today to look through the Bible a bit. This is more of a survey. Some days you get the opportunity to pull out your what? It's not the phone, but it's a pocket Bible, right? And you get to pull out your pocket Bible or the Bible you brought, and we go through a passage. Who really likes looking through a passage together? Those are nice. Today we're going to do something a little different. We're going to do a bit of a survey, because do you realize how many incredible ladies there are in Scripture? Amazing stories, some of the best stories. I want to take you through a survey of the entire Bible really quick, we're going to start at Genesis, go all the way through, and I want to really quickly point out how many amazing ladies there are. Then we're going to pick on two of them, and we're going to look at two lessons. Because my question for you is, am I willing to learn from the lessons of the woman of the Bible? Who's willing? Anybody willing? Okay, let's get started. So let's look through. So I wanted to start with ancient time. Who's the most important person, probably, in the first 11 chapters of the Bible? A lady named Eve. Can we agree? Okay. Then we get in this situation with the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? But who's really the most important there? We got Sarah, incredible story, Rebecca, Leah, Rachel, Tamar. You've got these incredible stories. We continue into the Moses era. One of the ladies we're going to look at today, there's a small group here, Faithlings. Anybody know about Faithlings? Faithlings is a small group, a bunch of young moms get together, and they talk about different presenting issues in life. They also have an opportunity to look at characters. They've nicknamed Jockbed. Does anyone know who uh, Jockbed is the mother of? Moses, okay? They call her Mama J. Every, everybody say Mama J with me. Mama J, okay? So not Jockbed, but Mama J. She's going to be one of the two we're going to look at. Incredible story. Who's really familiar with Mama J? If you're not, you're going to learn a lot today. Zipporah, also great. Miriam, okay, let's keep going. So then as we continue through the Bible, there's all these incredible ladies. We continue in this next section with the conquest. Anybody still from a couple years ago have your red bracelet? Anybody still have this? Yeah, I got it right here. Rahab, incredible story. Incredible story of Rahab. Then Deborah, who loves Deborah? Hey, I, I don't know if I should mention this or not. Do you know what JL did? There was this really kind of aggressive, dictatory guy, and um, I'm sorry, this is in the Bible. 
she took a tent peg and put it through his head. So like in the Bible. So can we agree that there's some really strong ladies in, okay, can we agree? Like, okay, so no matter what you think of that situation, saying that there's like not strong ladies in the Bible, then read the story of JL, that's all I'm saying. Okay, then we're going to look at the other one. We're going to look at Naomi today. Who's my Naomi super fan? Who loves Naomi? We're going to talk about her. She's terrific. Of course, Ruth. We continue through, and I'm going to, I want to keep showing you. So then after that, you got the King's Era. You got Hannah, Abigail. Uh, this is for my friend Reverend Lori, wherever she is. Grandma Holda. Holda, she's the prophetess, wonderful character. We continue because after that, then the life of Jesus. How many Marys are there? So many Marys. There's Mary, Mary, maybe another Mary, Mary Magdalene. It gets really confusing, okay? Anybody confused by all the Marys? So many Marys. But then I want to show you something amazing. Then something happens in the early church. This is eight of the ladies. This is like not even half of the important named ladies. All sorts of great women in the New Testament to read about. Hey, anybody know what the deal is with Junia? Have you ever heard that name? Junia is a female apostle. Literally. Go, go, go back and look. A female apostle. Read about that. Terrific Junia. And then, of course, when we think now, we go after that, and then we look at the genealogy of Jesus. How many ladies are in the genealogy of Jesus? Five ladies. Tamar, Ruth, Rahab, Bathsheba, leading to Mary. So here's my question for you. It's Mother's Day. This weekend, we're going to honor all the moms in our congregation. Let's look around. We honor the moms here. There's also ladies here who may or may not be moms. We honor those moms and those ladies. And the reality is, is then we say, okay, the Bible has these wonderful stories of ladies. Let's go ahead and learn some of the lessons. So that is our big idea today. Am I willing to learn from the lessons of the women in the Bible? Now, how many ladies did I put up on the screen? Did anybody count? Was it more than two? So if I do two, will, um, they say always make sure to, to let everybody out a little early on Mother's Day. Who likes that idea? Who wants to, to get going to brunch? Anybody have good brunch plans and reservations? Don't worry, we're going to get you out early. Here's the reality. We're not going to look at all 39 of those or whatever there were. Two sound good? Let's learn two lessons. Who can agree that your life will today be better if you learn two lessons from ladies of the Bible? Who likes that idea? All right, let's, let's look at two ladies. So we got Mama J, that's Moses' mom, Jockbed, and we've got Naomi, that is Ruth's mother-in-law. We're going to see really incredible stories with the two of them, and we're going to learn really important lessons. Here's our first one. Lesson number one has to do with Jockbed. Am I willing to do the right thing without taking credit? I want you to think about that. How hard is that to do in our life? It's so easy to do the right thing at work and want to get a bunch of credit. It's so easy to do something for a spouse and to want to get praise and adulation. Who's a big fan of the love languages? Any love language super fans? Okay, words of affirmation, right? Who here loves words of affirmation? Okay. Am I willing to do the right thing without the words of affirmation, even if that's my love language? That is what Jockbed, Mama J, invites us to do. So let me tell you about her. Okay, as we look at this person, we've got Moses, right? Well, no, we actually have Jockbed is pregnant with a baby. And do you know what's going on in this time? 
They're in Egypt, so the Israelite people are in Egypt, and Pharaoh has decreed that all the little boys ages two and under, they're going to be put to death. Terrifying stuff. Awful, okay? And now Jockbed, Mama J, is pregnant in this context. That sounds like a pretty dark and difficult time. Now, Scripture clearly says here that for the first three months the baby is alive, she's able to hide the baby. Now, who's ever had an infant? Okay. Can someone tell me how? Because I feel like Mama J could also write a parenting book. That's like the thing in, you know, the Christmas song um, where it's away in a manger, a little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. Um, scripture is inerrant. Christmas carols are not, right? So that's probably not truthful. Okay, good. So here's the reality. For whatever reason, she's got these superpowers, so she keeps the baby silent for three months. Then what does she do? Okay, then she puts the baby. Who's seen, who's seen the movie Ten Commandments? Who's seen them? Okay, what does she do? She puts the baby in the basket. Puts the baby in the basket down the river. What happens? Baby goes floating down the river. Pharaoh's daughter gets the baby. Now, Pharaoh's daughter says, I'd like to keep this baby. This is exciting. What does Mama J do? Miriam, which is Moses' sister, says, hey, I think you're going to need a caretaker for this baby. And Pharaoh's daughter says, yeah, that's a good idea. How about we get one of these Hebrew women to do that? Does that sound like a good idea? And then who's the Hebrew woman? Mama J. So she literally gets paid to take care of her own child. That's one angle. But there's another angle. Who names the baby Moses? Mama J or Pharaoh's daughter? Pharaoh's daughter does, because I pulled him out of the water. So what we see Jockbed is literally she's willing to give up naming rights. She's willing to give up being the Do you know when we learn her name? So we meet her in Exodus 2. You don't get her name until the genealogy later on. She just does the right thing without taking credit anonymously. Let's look at this key verse from here, because I think this is really helpful. Later, when the boy was, was older... His mother brought him back to Pharaoh's daughter who adopted him as her own son. The princess named him Moses, for she exclaimed, I lifted him out of the water. Do you see that Mama J, Jockbed, is able to do the right thing without getting credit? What do, we, what do we not see there? We don't see his actual mom. We simply see that she's willing to give the baby up. And the princess now is going to be the mom of Pharaoh. I don't know. Mom's here. Who's willing to just give up your kid? That's a pretty big ask. Can we agree? Hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to nurse my kid, and then when my kid's old enough, I'm going to let some other woman name my child and raise my child and take credit. That's like really selfless, self-sacrificing, probably beyond what we'd be willing to. Would you agree? Mom's in the room. Help me out. I, I'm a dad. I'm clueless. Can we agree? That'd be hard. It's a hard ask, but that's what she's willing to do. And so now I, or each of us, say, wow, there's a lesson to be learned here. Can we agree? There's an incredible lesson to be learned here. I think in my own family of some of the ladies who have done this. My mom's mom, her name was Inez. Anybody ever have an Inez in your family? I-N-E-Z. Wow, good for you. The Leary family had an Inez. So Inez... She was involved in Moody Bible Institute. And what she decided to do was the 1940s, long time ago. And what she was doing is she was planting Sunday schools. So what she'd do is she'd 
go to a new town, and she'd get a bunch, bunch of kids together, and she'd tell them about Jesus. Who thinks this is a great idea? We like this idea. Okay, so she'd go to a new town. Then she'd get a whole bunch of kids, and now if you have a whole bunch of kids gathered, what do you need after that? You need a church. So then a pastor would be invited, and the pastor would come in, and Inez would step aside and say, hey, you founded this church, even though she did. You founded this church, so here's your church, and then she'd go start another church. That's part of the legacy of my family, and so it's no surprise that my mother, who's probably not going to be happy I'm using her as a sermon example. Everybody wave to my mom in the back. <laughs> Hi, Regina. Um, she's not going to be happy, but it is Mother's Day, so I do have to pick on her once. So my mother has always been someone who lived this lesson of jock bed. Am I willing to do the right thing without taking credit? So my mother, if you look at in my family, whether my brother or myself, any of my, I'm a musician, right? So does anybody, do you know that I play piano, that kind of thing? Okay, so a hymnal. How did I learn to be musical? You want your kid to be musical? I guess this is one way to do it. We'd be in Lincoln, Rhode Island, and we'd be standing there, and I was four years old. Now, usually, I'm a parent, and when I have my kids in church, I don't know if you've seen Ruby, but Ruby was kind of breakdancing during the worship set. Um, so I'm amazed at my mother, the, the patience of Job. I mean, I, I can't imagine. But so my mother is sitting there, and I'm not breakdancing during the worship set. She has me lining hymns. Anyone know what that means? So it means literally you go through, and you have to figure out where you breathe. So you go through the hymn, and it says, Jesus, keep me near the cross, near, there a precious fountain. And then you breathe there. And then it says, free to all, a healing stream flows from Calvary's mountain. You breathe. And this is what my mother was doing with me during church when I was growing up. At nighttime, my mother would do Bible stories. Hey, has anyone noticed that when I preach or write encouraging words, I like to do obscure Bible stories? Anybody ever notice? Do you want to know who to blame? Okay, we're going to blame my mom because she had this big red book of obscure Bible stories that she'd read to me when I was little and when I was growing up. Now, I could also tell you about, in my own life, I ended up working with teenagers in the church, in youth groups, and also I ended up working with teenagers as a teacher for a long time. Why did I do that? Well, let me tell you about my mom. My dad, we talk a lot about Pastor Stan, my dad, so we'll talk about my mom for a moment. Pastor Stan had an opportunity to be the youth pastor of a church in Waterloo, Indiana. Who's ever been to Waterloo, Indiana? He's raising his hand and two other, three other people. Oh, I like it. I see you guys. Okay, I don't know what's there. I've never been. So he starts dating this young lady named Regina. And he says, hey, I'd love for you to come visit my youth group. Doesn't this sound like a nice idea? But he says, I got to warn you. There's these two knuckleheads that I'm going to kick out of youth group probably tonight. Do you know why? Literally, last meeting, they went into the bathroom and they were climbing out of the window. And like, they're ridiculous. So ignore them. Don't, like, base your view of the youth group on these two knuckleheads. There's nice kids, I promise. So what did my mother do? Without saying anything, without taking credit, she just went out of her way to bond with the two knuckleheads to the point my parents took a camping trip later with the two knuckleheads. <laughs> now, this is my question for you. Are you willing, are you willing to say... Can I do the right thing simply out of my love for God? Because that's what Inez, my grandmother, did. That's what my mother does. That's what we see Jockbed doing. Mama J. Why do we call her Mama J? Because she does this. 
Does she care if she gets named in Exodus 2? No. What did she want to do? She loved God. She loved her son. In a time where it seems like everyone's trying to get credit for everything. Has anyone noticed this? People are just trying to get credit for everything. We're guilty of that. Who here is ever guilty of that? You don't have to raise your hand. But you can, right? We're guilty of just trying to take credit on anything we can. What if I learned this first lesson and I can simply do the right thing out of my love for God? So here's my question. Who are the women, who are the women in, in our lives who make it all happen without taking credit? I want you to think about that. Mother's Day can be a loaded day for people. Do you agree? There's, it can be complicated. I saw this wonderful chart that someone put up um, with all these flowers and all these different experiences that people can have on Mother's Day, which I really liked. Um, and it was really helpful. And it said, hey, you know, Mother's Day can be really great and helpful for you if you had a great relationship with your mom, but you got to be aware that it's a really, it's kind of like a minefield for people. So don't just think of the mom if you don't have a perfect relationship with mom. What about the women in my life who are spiritual mother figures? Who are those women in my life? And what can I do not only today on Mother's Day, but this week and this month and this year and until the next Mother's Day, what can I do to say, wow, these are the mothers who make it, the women who make it all happen. How can I honor them today? What tangible little steps can I do? Maybe a card, maybe something else. And then, learning the lesson of Mama J of Jockbed, am I willing to do the right thing without getting credit? Okay, first lesson learned. Who's learned one lesson from Lady of the Bible? Let's do one more. So now we're going to jump to a different part of Scripture, and I want to deal with a woman named Naomi. Naomi, Naomi, this is actually a great controversy in my small group. Hey, who's involved in a small group at Faith Community Church? You can raise your hand, nice and proud. Hey, we'd love to get you involved in a small group. We plugged home groups last week. I'm going to plug any small group. We call them faith groups. Who's never heard of a faith group before? A faith group is all the different small groups that meet in our church. What are some of the groups? We have a craft group. That's on Thursdays. We have men's groups. We have women's groups. We have online groups. We have in-person groups. We have home groups. These are all different ways that meet. Now, my small group, we have a little of controversy over. Is it Naomi or Naomi? Let's vote. Naomi. Naomi. All right, for the rest of the ser sermon, just to give you a hard time, I'm going to say Naomi. Okay, so here's her, here is her lesson. Am I willing to look for joy after a dark time? Who's ever been through a dark time in your life? Notice I keep that broad, okay? Let's not go super specific. It's not helpful to go specific. Let's go broad with Naomi. Naomi. You like that? Okay. So here's what happens. She goes through a really dark time. The details actually don't matter because the focus with her is not what she went through. It's on her mindset after. So if you know the story of Naomi, what happens? She says, hey, this is so difficult. I have a new name. Who's ever had a nickname for yourself? Okay. Hopefully you don't have this one. She said, don't call me Naomi anymore. Call me Mara. Because the Lord has dealt bitterly with me. Mara means bitterness. Who's ever named yourself bitter? Probably not, right? So this is a good example, a little more extreme than us. She goes through a dark time. But what we see is that God works through her situation. And she's open not to simply saying, I'm a person who went through a dark time and that's it. 
not willing to talk about anything anymore, we see that she's willing to start doing various things. Now, I looked for a pattern here, and I'm a bit of a, bit of a nerd, so I read some research and some psychologists and all sorts of different things, and I was able to find this pattern that is present here in this, and I want to I put up this little pattern. When we have a dark time, who's had a dark time in your life? Okay, there's three great steps for moving forward. This is biblical, psychologists say this, researchers say this, this is the, the David configuration of it. So basically, choose a concrete action after the dark time and do it. Accept social support, don't isolate. How easy is it to isolate after you go through something difficult? How easy? So easy. It's like, that's our go-to, right? The more I meet with people, the more I meet with individuals, with couples, this is the big thing. Can we agree? The big danger is isolating. What happens good when I isolate? Nothing. Even for those of us, who are my introverts? Where are my introverts at? Okay, I'm an introvert too. We say we like to have time by ourselves, but we kind of need time with people too, don't we? Because when we just isolate, what good happens? Not a lot. But then, so after we accept social support, then we now see the dark time not as the end of the story, but the start of the story. So let me show you how Naomi does this. First, she chooses to go home. She has a dark time happen in her life, and does she choose to just simply stay there and not do anything? No. She says, hey, the famine is over. There was a famine in Israel, and so she went to a place called Moab. And she says, hey, the famine is over. I can go home, and she does. And then on the way, she's got daughters-in-law, and she says, hey, you can leave me. And one of them does, and the other one says to her, hey, where you go, I will go. Your God will be my God. Gives this wonderful thing. But Naomi has the opportunity to either accept it or to reject it. Who here has ever been given a really good opportunity that you rejected? Anybody? Okay, so if someone offers you $100 for free, you still have to reach out and grab the money, right? If someone says, here's a $100 bill, no strings attached, if you're just like, eh, I've been burned too much, and walk away, you just walked away from someone handing you $100. So the reality is, is that Naomi could have isolated, but she accepts Ruth's vow. Okay, you want to worship my God? Okay, Ruth, let's do it. Okay, you, you want to join me in my bitterness? Okay, Ruth, let's do it. And then it doesn't end there. Then there's more social um, support that she gets. Now we get to this place where you've got all these widows have created this community and they're under the protection of this guy, Boaz. And she accepts that protection. Once again, who's ever been offered help that you've turned down? Have you ever had this, right? Hey, I'd love to help you out. You know, I want to do you a favor. No, thanks, I'm good. I'm, I'm all set. Thanks so much. Appreciate you offering. I'm okay. I don't need that. No, she accepts that. And then the story ends. How does the story end? It ends with her holding a little squishy baby. Little squishy baby is actually said then to be the grandfather of King David. And we see that she sees that God provides a redeemer and a future for her family. So this idea, this is basically an equation. It's a formula that Naomi uses. You can apply this to your life too. Let's look in, in my family. My grandma Cushing, this is my dad's mom. When she was in high school, she got really, really, really sick and almost died and had to drop out of high school. 
and this was almost 100 years ago, she was living in a teeny little town in Canada. And what did she have to do? Now she faced a choice. Am I going to just be a high school dropout or am I going to look for future? Now there was an opportunity. She was involved in a church and they said, hey, there's this place called Eastern Nazarene College. Anybody ever hear of that? This is almost 100 years ago. Okay. And they say, hey, if you go down there, you're in Canada and you go to New England, um, what can happen is you can finish your high school degree there and then you can work on college. And she chose to do it. She made a choice. She picked a concrete action. She had a really dark time. That illness, if you know a young person who's gone through a really difficult illness, think of all the things you lose with that. You lose socialization. You can, you can have all sorts of anxiety about things. Things that you get used to doing are much harder to do because you didn't have all those ups and downs of being a teenager. You lost that. But nonetheless, she goes to ENC. And we all loved my grandma, but we hear from stories of that time she was a little socially awkward. But this woman named Mrs. G.B. Williamson said, hey, I'm going to arrange something, and if you'll accept it, let me just arrange. They're, now, they were Nazarene, so they didn't do dancing. So they didn't do a Sadie Hawkins dance. They had a Sadie Hawkins party. And so what Mrs. G.B. Williamson said, she said, hey, let me just arrange this. And she arranged so that this young man who ended up being my grandfather, Ralph, and this young woman, kind of socially awkward, got together and went to this Sadie Hawkins party, not dance. And now, what happened? This was not the end of her journey, this dark thing. But now, the dark thing that she had to go through as a teenager brought her here. And now, for multiple generations, you've had pastors, you've had police officers, You've had lawyers, you've had doctors, you've had school teachers in that family because she was able to see that not as the end of the road, but the beginning like Naomi. And so now let's apply it for us. Because if we go through dark times, this is how we can learn the lesson of Naomi because the lesson is, am I willing to look for joy after a, a dark time? Let's look at this. So we'll see, what concrete action does God call me to take? Where's the support that I can accept? And am I willing to see that God's rewritten my story's end? Is that not all is lost? Who's ever felt like all is lost in your life? Has anyone ever seen the Tom Hanks movie Castaway? Wilson. Who's seen that movie? People love, who cried when the volleyball escaped? Be honest. Be honest. Everyone who's seen the movie has cried when the volleyball escaped. Okay, so here's the thing. We go through dark times in our lives. Be honest about it. Who's, who's been through a dark time recently? Okay. Concrete action God offers me to take. This is not self-help, right? This isn't, hey, God, you go over there. I'm going to figure it out myself. No, God is sovereign. God is acting, and God gives opportunities. God opens doors, and what door can I walk through and choose today and not do it in an isolated way but accept it like Naomi accepted the vow of Ruth, the support of Boaz, and eventually the support of the greater community. After that dark time, can I learn this lesson of Naomi and can I accept this support? And then am I willing to have the right perspective that I can see God has rewritten my story's end? And so that takes us to our big idea. I promised you a short sermon. We're done. I'm going to pray in a second. It's Mother's Day. Here's our big idea with our 
with our stories. Am I willing to learn from the lessons of the women of the Bible? Let's review these two. Jochebed, Mama J, am I willing to do the right thing without getting credit? Who wants to try that this week? Hey, who's willing to try that and say, you know what? The first time it happens on Monday that I could try to take credit, I'm going to try silencing and saying, okay, I'm going to do the right thing and we'll see what happens. Okay? And then the lesson of Naomi is, am I willing to look for joy after a dark time? Who's willing to try learning these lessons this week? Now, we usually, at this time, I would usually invite the band forward. I'll invite the band forward still. I would usually invite the elders of the church forward. I'm not going to do that today. We are not going to say, if you're struggling with blank, we want you to come down. This is a day of joy. What we want to do instead, we're going to have our prayer prompt go up on the screen, and here's what we're going to say. Today, we take time to pray for the moms and women of our church. And so what I'd like you to do is, if you're a mom or a woman, you're about to get prayed over from where you are, and if you're not... I want you to simply join me in prayer, and we're going to pray a prayer of blessing for this next year over the moms and women of our church. If they're here, terrific. If they're not here, we're going to still pray for them. Can we agree to that? All right, so let's join together in prayer. If you want to put a hand out towards a lady, you're more than welcome to if you want to just bow your head. But we're going to pray a prayer of blessing over the moms and ladies of our church. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful for the women in our lives. We know that you have placed them in our lives for a reason. We're so grateful for the ups and downs of the human experience, and we're so grateful especially for the ways you positively use people to impact us. We pray for these women today. We're so grateful for the moms, the grandmas, the aunts, the mentors, the stepmothers, we're so grateful for the adopted mothers, the foster parents, the friends. Lord, you call these women in our congregation in so many different ways. We're so grateful for them. And Lord, we know this is a difficult season for women. We know this is a difficult season for the women gathered here. Lord, we ask that you would bless them. From today until we do this again a year from now on this next Mother's Day, Lord, that this would be a season, a year of jubilee in their lives. We pray for your favor we pray for your blessing. We pray that this would be a time where we could really appreciate just the extraordinary impact, especially of the faith of these women. And Lord, I ask that we'd be willing to learn lessons not only from the women of the Bible, but from these women. We're so grateful for their mindsets, for their faith. We just ask that each of us would today be willing to say thank you we pray your blessing and your peace over these ladies. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.